Educators Amplified, the podcast. Educators Amplified, Educators Amplified, where we amplify educators' voice, amplify students' experience, amplify well-being, amplify hope, amplify what's really going on in our public schools, amplify solutions to restore the education profession, amplify new possibilities. I'm Joanna. And I'm Hallie. We see you. We hear you. We are you. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Educators Amplified. We're so excited today because we have our second guest coming into the studio to talk about all things education. But right before we get into our guest, you know, Joanna and I were really like, you know, let's just do kind of a check in first. Let's check in with each other, see how we're doing and just kind of trying to connect with more people to just be like, right, you're not alone. So Mm-hmm. Should I start? You want to start? How well, are you doing? I was thinking episode five. Mm-hmm. You feeling alive? No. Okay, what's the matter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I would just describe it as I'm exhausted. I'm not even thinking of days or months. Right? Yeah, You're just right. like in it. Trying and to going. go survive day to day. Very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And... I've always kind of been used to, and you know, I kind of dig because I like to read things and all this. I've always like researched and studied up on and been interested in education like Mm -hmm. in the news. Oh yeah, for fun. Right. But there's something (laughs) different about this where like I've always read about like policies and rules or funding or even issues that happen. But what I've been noticing is something is different about me reading this right now, where Mm. I feel like I'm reading about the crisis as I'm in it, Mm -hmm. in a way that's different to me. I guess because over the years, even when I'd read about things, they still kind of felt far away. Like it's this... It's this funding issue out here, or it's this political fight over there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's something different about reading about the crisis while you're in it. The reason I bring it up is is saying, like, there's something different in reading about, like, a big crisis, like, while you're in it, because there's something that's still, like, and this doesn't even express it enough. It is indescribable. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I've really been sitting in for how much we know about trauma and traumatology. It's one thing to understand it intellectually. It's another thing to feel it. And I feel like I'm finally feeling, I guess, from a conscious level, what many people who have experienced big T trauma are just dealing with all the time. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm like, okay. I get why kids are like, I can't get up and get out of bed to come to school. I get why people are like, I don't have the stamina. Like, I just am like, yep, check. I get it now. It's not so much of like an individual problem. Like, you're just lazy or you're not a hard worker or if you just be motivated. Well, and so understanding it at that level, Mm -hmm. even now, you realize how foolish a lot of our solutions have been. (laughs) Or the approaches where it's like, what? Yes. Well, and approaching it, well, I guess it's approaching it as it's a matter of choice, Mm -hmm. you know. And so what do you do to get kids to come to school? You threaten them. 
no, like threatening me right now, how I feel (laughs) would not motivate me, you know, to feel better. It's a deep rooted, like, I've got to go back to the basics of like having a consistent sleep routine, moving my body, watching what I put in my body, you know, and it's what we keep talking about, though, where our society encourages stay up late, have a glass of wine, eat the dark chocolate. Well, in a way, it's something that I've always said that we could end up being deeply compassionate to Mm -hmm. one another Mm -hmm. for if we understand, you know, what is happening. So I I guess I'm willing to just share where I'm authentically at. I guess that's been my whole thing with wanting to do this podcast and encourage educators to come on Mm. is because we need to share what's going on in schools because we're getting either a filtered version from people who are educators or people who aren't educators and maybe getting half the story. So on some aspects, I can think, okay, by me speaking authentically, by teachers sharing authentically, this is looking to give an outlet, a space for people to really know what's going on. How would you describe how you're feeling? Well, most of the time, I'm okay, but not really. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm functional. Mm -hmm. I can kind of still be one of the most regulated people in the room. But I'm I struggle myself with just my own thoughts. Like, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll say that like it is a lot more relatable to the students. I agree with you on that, you know, where it's like I'm able to relate on a deeper level And thankfully, I just share that. You know, you're with me daily. Daily, I am (laughs) telling the kids, like, this is hard. Mm -hmm. We're in a hard period of time, and I understand that. So let's just be here to support each other. Mm -hmm. We're going to support each other. And I think that's, again, what helps me is is the approach really is, like, let's connect, let's share. Um, But I'm also always kind of overwhelmed, I guess, at the magnitude of it all. So things that I'm seeing are very simple things are hard for the students to do. Um, Things that normally, the pace of growth and change is just slower. And it doesn't mean they're slower. It's just like what's happening. You can see the effects on the brain. Yeah, I can see it really is harder to focus and attend so, yeah, I, we mentioned this stuff a couple weeks ago, like the stamina. Mm-hmm. It just continues, I guess, is what's interesting. Well, I'm definitely seeing a decline as we get further into winter. Yeah. So there did seem to be more of a spirit at the beginning of the year of like, we're outside. It's nice. We can make this work. The sun was out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think with the onset of winter... And so, again, just some of the environmental factors of more gray days, the colder weather, darkness, um, there's an impact. And then we always know that this is just a highly stressful time of the year. Mm -hmm. So the word that I've been using in my mind and then straight up with people is stabilize. Mm -hmm. I keep saying, like, our focus needs to be on just stabilizing. So back to the stories that I read That's kind of, I think, what's missing is there's a lot out there about, like, here's what's happening right now. And then it's kind of rhetorical, like, and so what will we do? And part of me is like, yeah, like, what are we going to do, like, next week? Right. Or a month from now. I don't know what the rhetorical is for everyone else, but I suspect that it's going to be too long. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and then there are some of the teacher blogs where you'd be like, here's some things you could do right now. But they're actually things maybe you couldn't do right now. You know, where it is like raise pay, mm. get more subs, add more counselors. That's not happening right now. Right. They're nowhere to be found. Yeah. I don't even know that we should get to solutions yet. We've got to stabilize the current situation. And that's what I wish we could be attending to and focusing on as a system. So I keep using the example of like you get in some horrific accident or medical situation. First thing is to stabilize before you operate and repair. Mm -hmm. And we need to stabilize. And I think stabilizing right now would be the focuses that you mentioned earlier, the back to the basics. Like Mm -hmm. let's really help guide, get information, encourage a healthy sleep routine. Let's focus on what we're eating and putting in our bodies. Let's focus on hydration, getting movement, positive social support, stress management. You know, you talking about that makes me think about benevolent childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to go into that. So maybe that's some of it, though. You know, so for those of you out there who have heard of within trauma, and then literally people will talk about ACEs, so adverse childhood experiences, and people will give this questionnaire of 10 questions of things that you've experienced that, you know, depending on how many you've experienced, that's the level of trauma you have. Adverse childhood experiences, there's 10 of them. And the scale goes that if you have four or more, you're at more serious risk for significant health issues. And so it was the first time that attention was kind of paid to how stress in your childhood has an impact on your adult life. So some examples of adverse childhood experiences are things like experiencing abuse in the family. Have you witnessed your mother being abused? Have you been a victim of sexual, emotional, physical abuse? Have you experienced racism? Things along that nature. So many people in education, when we were trained in like trauma and what trauma is, there was a focus on the ACEs. My noticing with that was it was another thing that was kind of deficit based. So they're totally helpful. They're useful. But within schools, if we just look at it as like, here's bad things that happen to kids. And if this happened, then. Well, I think it's. Right. It gets to like, oh, this thing happened to you when you're in four and now you're in high school. How do I have any control over that that happened? Yeah. What do you want? So me now to as do? an educator, I know that they've experienced trauma. Dot, dot, dot. Now what? Right. That can be the, the viewpoint. So I think ACEs kind of allowed us to like label and leave is what I say. Mm, Just I be like, like yeah, label yeah. and leave it then because, oh, that's what it is. It's too big. So it's good to have knowledge about what adverse childhood experiences are. Great research, great information to have, good to use it as a resource. good knowledge Mm -hmm. base. But if you look at ACEs and are like, what exactly are we going to do day-to-day in a school to directly assist with sexual abuse, physical abuse, this and that, it could seem way out of our realm. Mm -hmm. Um, So the opposite of adverse childhood experiences are what are called benevolent childhood experiences. And benevolent childhood experiences focus on the protective factors that you could provide children that do aid when kids are in high amounts of stress. So the thing that I like about the benevolent childhood factors is you could actually scale them because they're quite simple. Yeah, let me read them. When you were growing up during your first 18 years of life, and then here are the 10 things. Did you have at least one caregiver with whom you felt safe? 
Did you have at least one good friend? Did you have beliefs that gave you comfort? Did you like school? Did you have at least one teacher who cared about you? Did you have one good neighbor? Was there an adult, so not a parent or caregiver, who could provide you with support or advice? Did you have opportunities to have a good time? Did you like yourself or feel comfortable with yourself? And did you have a predictable home routine like regular meals and a regular bedtime? I like that list because I'm like, it's doable. Can we do nine out of 10 of those at school? Yeah, we could. Well, imagine if those were the measures that we rated around, you know, like, do children feel safe? Or how do we encourage friendships instead of competition? Or we're specific about we're connecting with students on them on a personal level, not just on an academic level. The things we talk about even too, like we do talk with our students about setting consistent bedtime routine. I say this all the time. I am not in charge. I'm not at your house to tuck you in and kiss you goodnight and tell you sweet dreams. But they're in control of that. And you can teach around sleep and how good it is. And kids innately, it makes sense. There is no like, why am I learning this? When am I ever going to use this in my life? Well, (laughs) it's like foundational. Yeah, and they are. They're very accepting and interested. Mm -hmm. But yeah, benevolent childhood factors Again, it's asset-based, it's strengths-driven, and it just seems so possible. Like, when you heard that list, you're like, yeah, that's why I'm a teacher. Right. Well, and that's why people (laughs) went into teaching. And it does. Honestly, I start off and be like, I'm exhausted. But now I'm a little bit like, I can read that and be like, okay, that can energize me. Or if that can stay my focus instead of this, that, or whatever stressed me out, I can check in and be like, yeah, the students I'm working with, I would say feel safe, or I am someone that they can connect with, or I even connect with them, which helps me, you know? So now I'm like, I'm doing great. No, I'm just kidding. All better. Just like, just like a day at school. Within 30 minutes, you're starting to get regulated. There's something to it. Yeah. It's just a balance of it all. But yeah, overall, we're okay. All right, so like I mentioned, we have our second guest. We have a new teacher on the podcast. We love having Heather on the show. Big shout out to Heather. Keep showing her love. Listen to her episode. It was episode three. Um, But today we've brought in another teacher, Stephanie. Hello. Welcome. Hey, how are you guys? (laughs) Good. Uh, If you don't mind just starting, share what you do, what you're involved in, all of that. Sure. Um, So my name's Stephanie, and I'm a fifth grade teacher. This will be my eighth year teaching. Um, And I'm pretty involved in our unions. Mm -hmm. I'm a local union president. I've served as a building rep and on our negotiations team. How many years have you been building president? This is my fourth year. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know, right, for those of you who don't know about local presidency and union work, I don't know how she does it all. Pandemic (laughs) unioning. Right. It's been a lot of learning and a lot of growing, but a lot of good stuff. So join your union if you're not a part of it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Busy, busy. Right. Well, thank you for coming. You know, a theme of our podcast is we see you, we hear you, we are you. So just start out with what are things that you're seeing right now within education? 
Gosh, I was connecting to a lot of things you guys were saying, and I guess one of the pieces is I feel like as teachers in our classrooms, or I'll speak for myself in my classroom, I feel like I'm trying really hard to like be that connection with the kids, and I feel like when I close my door and do that, that normally feels pretty good, but I'm not sure it's necessarily supported, or like I feel like my school is more focused on the academic piece, getting back to quote normal, standardized testing, all of those pieces feel like those are the important parts where I think most teachers would say we're not able to really get to any of that stuff. So um, without the kids feeling okay, which we know right now they don't. So that's something I guess that's been weighing on me a lot. And that's just been a struggle. And I feel like I hear a lot of people saying that right now. Well, and it's kind of always been the push-pull where we really do kind of have a different set of priorities in terms of dealing with the students directly in front of us versus what we'll hear from a larger organizational level of what the priorities are. I think that that has always happened. However, it is more just like red alert right now. So that's why it's, you know, it's like you kind of did it before. Just like, oh, yeah, I do this over here and I got to do that over there. And oh, well. And now, though, it's really like this is not a priority. I can't be doing this. It's just more pronounced. There's more of a contrast. Can you explain more too? Like what kind of things are you seeing at the elementary level from students? I think it's things that have been always happening, but it's way more amplified now. I mean, there's this push to have kids in their seats learning all day long, like from the small little kindergartners to the 10 and 11 year olds that I'm teaching, which isn't realistic. So One, they can't sit still or they can't sit and be quiet. And I mean, even as adults, we don't just sit quietly in a seat all day long. So I think those pieces, you're just seeing a lot more students acting out, shouting, upset. Like I had a girl the other day just get really upset and throw her things onto the floor Mm -hmm. when we were in the middle of doing a math lesson. And afterwards, we take a daily walk. And so when we were out on our walk, she came up to me and she said, I was just so frustrated. I couldn't do it. Like, I'm stupid. Even just things like that, I'm hearing a lot more. I'm dumb. I can't. Well, we always talk about with the regulation scale, it's easier to get to 10 Mm -hmm. when you're walking in at a 7. So they're coming in, most of them, higher. I mean, adults are too, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think the other piece too that weighs is like, as teachers, we're having to deal with a lot more of that heightened student behavior or student feelings. And we're not really getting supported or like there's no help for us. So like we're putting a lot of energy into that, trying to like regulate ourselves. And then I feel like we should be getting the support from maybe our principals or our administration. We're almost battling that too. So we're all shouldering Mm. a lot. Mm -hmm. Our foundation with Educators Amplified is wanting to have people stop and develop an awareness about Mm -hmm. their own emotional health. Mm -hmm. So there's something to... We all need help, and we don't really know how to help each other. Yeah, you talking, too, made me think about when we're in high amounts of stress. So let me explain the brain first. I'm just going to talk about two parts. One, there's the amygdala, which houses all of our emotions. And then, two, there's a part that's right behind our forehead. It's the prefrontal cortex that's in charge of logic and all of that. And so our amygdala, its only job is to scan for danger, scan for danger, scan for danger. And talk about the amount of danger that people are seeing constantly. It's why we're seeing more behaviors. Because you feel like you're walking in a minefield. Like you're tiptoeing around. So you're always nervous. You're tense that something's going to happen. Something's going to blow. And when that happens and when we're in our amygdala, like literally the term they'll say is like you flip your lid. 
You know, so it's literally like your logical brain completely exits, you know, like you can't access it when you are in your amygdala. So even that story of that young girl who threw the stuff, that was her amygdala just going off like, I can't take on any more logic. Like, it's it's too much for me. I'm in my emotion of being scared or feeling like I'm stupid or whatever the emotion is. And I just think about what I know is you've got to name it to tame it or emotion only knows emotion. Really, it's the overwhelm you have to speak to. It's calming them down to get to a more peaceful space. But we can just see how our system isn't set up to work through the emotion. Right. Like even the environment, like our classrooms aren't set up to do that. Right. The structure of the day isn't set up to do that. So what do you mean? Go on. I just think about the space in my room. So packing Mm. 25 to 30 kids into a classroom, trying to distance them a little bit as Mm -hmm. much as you can. There's no room for like even a small table. There's no space for people. Mm -hmm. So that in itself, if you need a minute or if you're feeling like you're starting to become dysregulated and you're cramped in, Mm -hmm. like that adds to it. Yes. So I think that's a piece of it. Class sizes are too big and our spaces are too small. So the schedule, I'm building in like time to take the kids out to an extra recess and a walk, which I don't know that that's highly recommended or, you know, right. are you meeting your minutes of all the academics? And oh, then, that's the questioning you get. Yes. So instead of being like, wow, thanks for building in time to get fresh air. Thanks yep. for building in things that help them regulate. It's like, well, how are you meeting your math minutes if you're letting them walk? Right. And then it's like trying to explain, if we take these little Mm -hmm. 15-minute breaks, actually we're way more productive in the classroom doing Mm -hmm. the other academic pieces. But they're looking for a schedule on paper that looks a certain way, that covers the certain things, meaning math, reading, writing. Well, that's the big thing in elementary, right? From Mm -hmm. what I've gathered from my elementary friends, it is like you need to have I'm making up numbers right now, but you could say like 150 minutes of math so that they can score better on their math exams or Mm -hmm. tests. Yep. And so that's what you're hearing. Yes. That kind of stuff. Yep. Okay. So then as a teacher, you're like, okay, I didn't go into education to make sure I had math minutes. Mm -hmm. I want to work with students. Right. Children. And especially at the elementary level, I feel Mm -hmm. like it's, I don't know, it's cool. We have them all day long. Mm Mm-hmm. And I like that it could be or it should be like a flexible kind of day. Like we could have projects. We could be like it just doesn't have to look like this is the math block and this is the reading block. I feel like it really cuts down on what you can do. So if we had flexibility to flex the day, I think that could make learning even just more engaging for the kids. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when we were at our meeting the other night and this similar conversation was coming up? And people really were arriving at the conclusion that this just doesn't make sense anymore. Like Hallie and I were like, this ain't never made sense. (laughs) But now there seems to be more of an awareness that what we're doing has to change for the sake of the health and development of the kids. Yeah, I feel like it's pointed out even more. Like when the pandemic happened and schools went virtual, I feel like people are like, oh, the kids are disengaged. They're not turning on their screen. They're not coming to class. And now that we've come back into the classroom, I feel like you're still seeing those things, kids putting their heads down, kids not coming to school certain days. But I think those problems have always been there, but people are seeing it differently now. Like Mm. when the kids were disengaged virtually, it wasn't because we were virtual. It was because what we're doing doesn't work. They just can't 
force them to comply when they're sitting in front of you in the classroom. But I think it's so much more now. I think finally people are starting to see like, wow, a lot of them are disengaged. A lot of them are dysregulated. Yeah, they are and we are. And so we have to allow for spaces that will, again, stabilize, heal, comfort that, address that. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk to Stephanie about, so you're a local union president. Can you explain to our listeners what exactly that means? Sure. So with the union, we have kind of works in a bigger system and works down. So we have the NEA, which is the National Education Association, and that covers the country. And then we have our state locals, so that's WEAC for us in Wisconsin. Then we have regional unions. And then our smaller Districts, we have just locals, so that would be like my district. So I'm the local president, so that means I'm kind of in charge. I connect with the people at our region and through WEAC and through NEA, but I'm kind of like the go-to person or the figure of my local union. So as a local union president, you represent the members of the association in your district. Yeah. I think what's really interesting um, from working with you is, well, when we were talking with Heather, we were talking about like, what would be... A different structure, you know, and I truly can see union work is power with, it's not power over. So I always find it interesting that in a union, there is a union president and that you are that role. Um, And I feel like you oftentimes have to take that role or be the quote unquote point person because you're in conjunction with or alongside a hierarchy system. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like staff is the point person for people, but really when you're operating in the union... It's not just about what Stephanie wants. Right. That's a huge difference. When I go to the table and I'm talking with district leaders, it's not always my opinion or what I want to happen. But a big part of our union is collecting the feedback from our members and bringing forward their concerns or their suggestions. So that's different when I'm going to the table. Like I am speaking on behalf of all of our members where when we sit down with district leaders, you know, they are speaking on behalf of their perspective. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I think you're viewed as, oh, this is just what you think. Yes. Yeah, I experienced that when I was a local president and as a leader that, right, I think they had a real hard time separating like Joanna from the role. And so, mm-hmm. right, having to repeat a lot and share that I'm representing the membership. I'm representing people. This isn't my personal view. This right. is my view in this role. Yeah. It is the most rewarding work, though. Like, we do actually work collectively. We do actually collaborate. Where my experience on district committees is a little bit different. It doesn't look like that. Mm-hmm. My experience working in the union as a, and as a part of our union um, has just been really beneficial for me to work through and learn about um, as just this is this is a way to lead and it could be a way that districts or schools lead um, and that just would be better I think right lead us through this crisis and into stabilization mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes but I think you have a very interesting story to tell about being um, an educator with eight years of experience can you kind of go through When you first started out, what did you understand the union to be? Then what did you learn to now you're the president? 
Yeah. So I really, as a new teacher, had no background, no experience. Like my family isn't like a union family. Like I had no idea. And initially, I remember being approached by like the building reps at my school and just, I gave the one liner that everyone gives. It's just too much money right now because <laughs> I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm, you know, I, mm-hmm. um, I think initially, too, you're kind of embarrassed to say that. Now I can say it and not feel embarrassed. But really, I had no understanding. And I feel like with just so many new teachers coming in or us trying to get new people in, I feel like that's pretty normal. Um, Mm -hmm. So I try to share that and be open with it that I didn't know. And now, look, I'm the union president. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so it kind of started like that. And then I was looking for support. Maybe I didn't know that, but I definitely needed support, especially in my second year. And there was a group that our union organized that Joanna kind of organized called Come Forward, which was the Caucus of Millennial Educators. And I started to go to that and... It really started off as like a support group. Yes. Like it was like mm-hmm. we sat in a circle and we were like, what are you experiencing? What am I experiencing? You know? Well, I feel like we came together and actually like did something and we actually like advocated for something together where I feel like anytime I wanted to do something just at my school or in our district, it just wasn't possible. Like my voice didn't really matter, but coming to come forward, it really did. And like we ended up doing some really cool things and I actually felt like it mattered. And so I think that was a big stepping stone for me. Here I am with this group of other people who are in a similar situation to me that also want to make education better and a profession that we can stay in. And we actually are doing things about it. So I think that's what led me to then be wanting to be more active in our union. Yeah, I remember too, like, so some of the things we did is, remember we created that survey that we, we just wanted to understand like how other teachers were feeling within the district. And, you know, it was like we were this small group of maybe 10 or less. And then to get that survey back from well over 200 people and being like, whoa, you know, like, okay, this is much larger than us, but then feeling connected. And then literally we went out to buildings and just shared Like, what were the results? And that was a time for me that I could see as a younger educator that people who had been in education for a while, it was like an aha moment of just like, oh, my gosh, like we've kind of left them stranded almost. Or, oh, it's really bad if you're new to the game of education. Well, and I won't forget that I think in our initial meeting, I kind of just had you guys go around and be like, what are the things that you see as a big issue? And we identified then like these five areas that were problematic. And I remember some of them were like pay, like not being treated as a professional, not having autonomy, your ongoing education not being encouraged or incentivized. And then we built around that. So it was kind of like then we decided like, oh, here's the pillars of things that bring us together. And then that's when we decided to do a research report and be like, how many other people are aware of this or know this? And then we took those results, really analyzed them, and wrote a report that we said was going to serve two purposes. One, to better inform our membership and our colleagues. And then two, to identify the issues to our school district and say, um, here's how we believe it could be remedied. Which isn't that crazy. It was restore, respect, retain, right? Restore our autonomy. I think respect was just like 
literally respecting our teachers and retaining some of the salary benefits stuff. So this was like four or five years ago now. I think it was 2017. And we were like, hey, here's the deal. People are going to leave if you don't do these things. I remember we went to the school board (laughs) meetings and presented it. We've been waving the flag for like Mm. years now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And here we are and it's just gotten worse. And like, Mm -hmm. I think if we redid that survey today, the results would be similar or worse. So it's just frustrating. Like, I think that in education right now is just, we've been saying it, like something has to give. And if something doesn't give, there's going to be nothing left. Yeah. Which is sad. So you were saying that this group and having that support and feeling like a part of something, being empowered, taking direct action, connecting with other people over that, feeling results led you to then see yourself as someone who could lead our local, which is a huge job. And you've done a great job. Mm -hmm. And it's always hard. Mm -hmm. And then there was COVID. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's interesting. Like, professionally, I feel like it's, like, one of the greater things that I've done and I've been able to grow, where I feel like as a teacher I've been, like, held back almost or, like, stagnant in my growth. Why? Because Because of of scripted? Yeah, scripted scripted curriculum, curriculum. the structure of our day, not having autonomy. Um which I feel like has changed a little bit, but it's still, I don't know, there were years where I really couldn't make anything myself or do anything that was my professional judgment. So like my union work is where I feel like I've really grown and feel really proud of Right, how you can much use I've your done. creativity, yeah. use your collaboration, imagination, critical thinking. Well, I always solving. point out that it is a shame. And again, if we're talking about like, let's look at the system, if people of power out there are listening, it's got to be that this professional element that where we feel so professionalized in our union work, that has to occur within our day. Mm-hmm. But right now it only happens after four o'clock mm-hmm. in spaces like this, like where the good stuff happens, where the real like movement in designing a new future for education and educators happen. I want to go back to Stephanie. What are you feeling in unison or connection with people over these days? <laughs> Misery. <laughs> it's okay no yeah it is okay i mean kind of right like that's a piece of it is we're we're suffering together we are suffering together so there's some like feeling better like okay i'm not the only one feeling this way so like as -hmm. much as this isn't good like it's kind of normal right now so Mm -hmm. at least we have each other to lean on to get through it or Mm -hmm. you know take it day by day Mm -hmm. and we Um, say no shame in the game all of our emotions are here for a reason mm mm-hmm even the bad ones. So it is okay. When we hear you, what are the kind of things that as a local president, people are coming to you about? What are you hearing? Really just overwhelmed in the day-to-day of our work. So in education, we really don't have a lot of flexibility in our job. We just don't. That's just the way it is. Um, But I feel like even the parts of the day that used to be flexible are getting taken advantage of. So when we're having additional meetings, when we're having... Forced supervision. Yes. 
it's all those pieces that are adding on top of the already inflexible job. Okay, so you are hearing from people about workload. Other things or examples of like, what are you hearing? I think just a general lack of acknowledgement of the work that we're doing. Um, I think people are feeling underappreciated. Um, and I think it's little things that could help. Not that I think that's going to fix it. Someone to say like, hey, I see you guys are out here. You're working really hard. But I'm like, that's lacking completely in some places. And then probably the other thing is just not adding more to people's plate. So if there are extra meetings, let's limit that to maybe one a month. Or if there are extra responsibilities or extra paperwork, what can go? Like, what can you take off of our plate right now? Because people, I mean, the the priority should be our students in our classroom. And right now it's feeling like we're having to juggle so many different things. Well, and a recommendation from the teachers of regulation are always <laughs> that you do. You want to simplify. You want things to be as simple and predictable as possible. You don't want to have people have to make a lot of decisions and complex choices. So you want everybody, the students and the staff, they're scheduled to be, again, simplified and predictable. So that's what I hear when you're like, okay, not the extra meetings, not the extra this. So all these things, again, that we used to think were like super necessary, just right now they can't be a priority if we're really going to stabilize and work through the situation. Otherwise, we're really just creating a bigger problem. Deprofessionalization, baby. Mm-hmm. Steph, so you've shared with us, we see you, we hear you, we are you. Anything else that you're just like didn't share and want to share or just anything that you want to shout out or say? I guess just that I'm hopeful through this podcast and through other outlets, like we can continue to build up public education because... I've never felt so much more like, I don't know if I can do this, but I know deep down I love teaching, I love working with kids, and I want to be a teacher. It just can't happen the way things are right now. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that there can be some change through outlets like this. Something's got to give, otherwise I'm worried what will happen to public education and our future kids and mm -hmm. all of that. So thank you both for doing this work. Well, and take note, because... We are our solution, and that's what we hope to do through this, too. Not just mm -hmm. saying, like, God, I hope somebody somewhere out there hears it that can change it for us. We're that change. This is for us. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we, we connect through this understanding and that that encourage us to take actions that will really result in mutual benefit and gain for our students and ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we've got to be the power behind change right now. I always say nobody's coming. <laughs> that sounds real hopeful. I was going to say, yikes. <laughs> nobody's coming, but we are here. <laughs> Try to be hopeful. Uh, but I thank you for your thoughts about the podcast. And really, we mm -hmm. do have great hope. That right, mm -hmm. because that is how humans work. You're like, okay. I'm not alone. I've got this. Right. There's somebody else. There's a bigger voice. There's something I can uh, connect with, put forward. And literally, it's generative. It creates energy. Yes. I'm always so thankful that people are willing to amplify. We want to hear more stories. We want to amplify your stories. Um, who's ever listening? 
I just, I think everyone is important and everyone who's listening to this and feeling connected to it, like, I hope that you can feel that you're not alone and that you have power within you and we want to hear what you want to bring to the table or just what you're experiencing. So you can do that by reaching out to us on Instagram or Facebook. Just follow Educators Amplified. And then otherwise, you can always email us at educatorsamplified at gmail.com. You know, we're just really here to keep connecting. I guess it brings me back to why we started Come Forward, like we mentioned earlier. It's a space for people to feel connected, supported, and empowered. So hopefully you're feeling some of that. If you are, please let us know. Like us, share our stuff, comment, all that good stuff. But thanks for listening today to Educators Amplified. Bye, y'all. Educators Amplified, the podcast, is recorded at Silver City Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Theme music composed by Josh Everett, with original music by DJ Drip Sweat. Thank you to our sponsor, WEA Academy. Educators Amplified.